Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Hello, Southside. Man, welcome back, Pastor Jeff. Woo! Great to see you guys today. I'm so glad to be back hanging out with you, ready to roll, and so thankful for a church like you. Uh, just for people that were able to fill in, our guys, our team, and, and people serving, volunteering, attending, giving, all the things that you have done to help make this possible, thank you. And um, excited about the future, excited about what God's doing here, what He's going to continue to do, what He's going to do in your life, what He's going to do in your home, what He's going to do in your family. Um, and that's 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 what we're excited about today. That's what we want to do. That's why we're here. That's why we're asking these questions. That's why we're doing this series. Can I ask that? Why, yes, you can. Months ago, we sent out an email asking for questions. Any question about faith, about God, about the Bible, about the Braves, the Bulldogs, the Falcons. Ha! Just kidding about the Falcons because they are beyond hope and help. But nevertheless, anything else goes. And you responded. You sent so many questions in. And we were able to group those questions. Primarily the ones we'll talk about on Sunday mornings are the ones that were asked the most. And then there will be other questions that we'll answer throughout the week through video, email, other avenues that we'll share information with you. Plus, we providing you ways to order resources and find other things that might can help you grow and learn. Why? Why do that? Because we want to build here at Southside, we want to build real followers of Jesus. That's our mission. And that comes with asking questions and diving into things and helping find answers that are true. Not just true for you, but all people in all places at all times. I'm talking about absolutes that are there. And we hope that then that translates into vision where we together make it real easy to go to heaven from right here in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our homes, our schools, our businesses that really could extend to the ends of the world. And so today, questions are good. Why are questions good? Because they lead us to answers that build our lives. And the answers that I'm going to give you from the questions that you ask are going to come straight from the Bible, from God's Word. Why? Because this is the resource. This is it. This is where I go. And I had a, I got a great mom and dad that have poured into my life, still pour into my life. And they are there. And I remember my mom and dad growing up and telling me this all the time. Nobody on this earth loves you like we do. Candy and I have begun, we, we communicate that to our children. I want them to communicate that to their children. I want them to know we've got a tight circle, a tight knit group. Nothing comes between that. But beyond that, this is where I go. Where do I go to find answers? Where do I go to find wisdom? Where do I go to grow? Where do I go to find hope and help and life? Right here. And so I remember as a youth pastor years ago, decades ago, standing up on a Wednesday night, I would preach. And I heard somebody say this one time a long time ago. And I know preachers say it today in different settings. But, but I said this, and I would say it every time I would preach. And I believed it. This is my Bible. And I said it because I wanted young people to gravitate to it and hold on to it. This is my Bible. And I am what it says I am. And I can do what it says I can do. And today, we are going to receive the words of God. And so when you receive it and apply it, you will never be the same again. 
All right, I believe that. And that's what we're doing today. So today is about mirror, it's about the mirror image. Today is about looking into the to the reflection of the mirror and seeing who God made us to be. And that's what we're gonna do. See, the questions are good because they lead us to answers that build our lives. It's just where you go to find those answers that lead you to the life you are currently living. A lot of people ask questions like this that we're about to look at and we're gonna see for generations. Generations, people have asked these questions, and I believe they're still asking them today. Whether they're asking them outwardly or inwardly is stuff like this. Number one, who am I? Where did I come from? And, 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 and those answers are all over the board, and they're different in all different kinds of places. God has an answer for that, but so does the world. And when I speak about the world in this series, I'm going to speak about it the way the Bible speaks about it, as a satanic belief system that is opposed to anything godly. You have three enemies in this life. You have Satan, the flesh. Satan is a, is a real heavenly being that is out to steal, kill, and destroy, roaming throughout the earth, seeking whom he may devour. The flesh, the flesh is just as powerful. It's an inward sinful nature that wants to do anything that is opposed to God. And then finally, the world. And that is a belief system culturally and societally that is opposed to anything godly. You can see that everywhere in our culture today. Confusion reigns, and God is not the author of that. God wants to simplify it. He wants to bring clarity into your heart and your mind, and it's going to be found in the Bible. Who am I? Where did I come from? How, hey, here's another one. You ever ask this question to yourself? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What, what, what is that? Here's another one. How is there a way to fix it? I mean, who am I? Where did I come from? What's wrong with me? Is there a way to fix what is wrong with me? And finally, why am I here? What's the purpose of my existence? Why do I exist? And, you know, I just believe this. The greatest resource for living the life you desire is the Bible. Because here's reality. You're living the life you're currently living because of the beliefs, choices, and people that are around your life. Whatever you're living is the life you chose to live. Whatever's going on today, and we can say, no, it was this circumstance, or it was this, or it was that. Hey, whatever, what, whatever we're living today is a direct result of our beliefs, our behaviors, our actions, our words, our choices, and the people that we spend time with. And so today, here's what we're going to deal with. Image, identity, and inclusion. Why? Because we all want to belong. Image, identity, inclusion. You want to talk about a lot of questions? We got them. What does it mean to be made in the image of God? So we're going to talk about that. Image, identity, and inclusion, and we're going to look at it in four ways. Number one, you need to know this. You were made in the image of God. Everybody on the planet was made in the image of God, and we see that in the very beginning places of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Then God said... Where did we come from? Why, where did this, where did the world come from? Where did the universe, where did the galaxies, where did all this stuff come from? God. Well, what about, what about evolution? What about the, the Big Bang? What about all those things? Listen, I'm a country boy from Jackson County. You give me a stick of dynamite and take it and put it into anything, light the fuse and let it blow up. Can you use any of that? No. It's a bad, probably, example of evolution, but you tell me anywhere in life where you blow something up and you can use it and it all falls back into perfect place with another creation. It doesn't work like that. 
God, the Bible answers it. The Bible doesn't argue the point. The Bible just states it as fact in the very first verse. In the beginning, God. God created the heavens and the earth. And then throughout chapter one, he goes through a series of creative acts. And he ends with the greatest of all of his creations. Let us, let us make man in our image. Who is us in our? It is the Godhead Trinity. God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One plus one plus one equals one. The best way I can describe that and even come close to wrapping my mind around that is my name is Jeff Williams. I am a husband, a father, and a son. And I'm, those, those things carry different things and different attributes and different actions. But you know what? They all come from the same being. And so that may not be the exact best way to put it, put it, but that's the way I wrap my mind around it. Let us make man in our image, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. Image and likeness is the theme that is present here. So God created man in his own image. He is using rhyme and poetry here, rhythmic repetition. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. Only two pronouns used here, friend, he and she. But you can see throughout this passage, just two verses, the confusion that exists in our society today. And we're going to talk about why that exists in the next point. But here's reality, here's fact. Deny it, walk away from it, say it's not true, but it don't change the fact that it's real. You were made in the image of God. And here God is just reemphasizing this over and over again. We are an image of an image, all right? We are the image of God. Jesus Christ was the exact image, representation, likeness, the God-man coming to this earth, full of grace, full of mercy, full of truth, showing us what God is like and a living picture of that. And we are to image that. We are to be that image of that image that makes that visible to a lost world. And that's what he is communicating here. He is saying this. And we learned back in the rest series where we talked about Sabbath and rest. In Genesis 2, God rested. What did he do? Did he rest because he was tired? No, he looked back. And he looked back so that he could close the loop on creation, on his creative work. It was finished in Genesis 1. He created the heavens and the earth. And we were the crowning creation of that moment. And God closed the loop on that. He finished it. And the rest of the book, the rest of history is about him coming to rescue you and me from our sin. When Jesus got on the cross and said and declared it is finished, what was finished there? The battle between sin and you and me for our souls. And so that's what we see here. We see God closing the loop here. And what we see in this story, when we talk about you are made in the image of God, a relationship between God and humans is the main focus of Scripture. That's what we see. And so when we talk about image, identity, inclusion, and you were made to belong, you need to understand you were made in the image of God. And number two, your image has been defaced, but not destroyed. That image has been defaced, but not destroyed. We're going to answer why bad things happen to good people. But here's a Quick introduction to that, because this is what we see. The image that God made in perfection was defaced, but it wasn't destroyed. 
Genesis chapter three, verse one. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals. Here it is again, that the Lord God had made. God made that. You see, the creation can never become the creator, and that's where Satan came from. He wanted to become like God, and he staged a rebellion in heaven, and now he's inhabiting a serpent, and that serpent is talking to Eve. <laughs> Crazy things, little things different happen. Things happen a little differently in the Garden of Eden, all right? Because evidently, these things can talk, and he's talking to Eve. Now, I don't know if he had to talk with a little list. Eve, hey, come here. Let me talk to you for a minute. You know, let's talk to you like that. Did God really say that you can't eat from any tree in the garden? I don't know if he sounded like he was from Boston or not, but nevertheless, you know, when he's some mafia guy. But did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? You see a lot of first in Genesis 3. You see the first question ever recorded in the history of the world. And it's a question that causes doubt in God. Did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? That question is a lie in and of itself. God didn't say that. And Eve answers that. She says, no. He said, we can eat from every tree in the garden with the exception of one. Isn't it just like the devil? Instead of talking about all the things that God wants you to have, he wants you to focus on the one thing you can't. And that one thing was in the middle of the garden. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I can picture Adam, Adam walking around with his bride, with his girl, going, yeah, baby, that's right. Look at this, look at the garden. It's all right here, honey. That's it, it's everything. You can have all this stuff. We can eat all of this right here and all these things. And maybe she said, well, what about that over there? He said, no, don't go there. That's a tree that God said, we, we can't eat it. As a matter of fact, don't even get close to it. Don't touch it. Because he said, when we do, we'll die. And she probably said, what is die? He said, I don't know, but it didn't sound good. But God said not to do it. See, in the Garden of Eden, they didn't question those things. God said it and they did it. Or God said not to do it and they didn't do it. But here, all of a sudden, somebody questions that and puts a seed of doubt. Now there's distrust. God said not any tree, just said from one tree. And he said, because we'll, she said, well, we'll die. And he says, no, you won't die. You won't die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Who wanted to be like God? He did. But he knows the truth. He can't. So now he's going to deceive and he's going to lie. He's not just going to put doubt there. He's going to put distrust because he wants to bring death because he's dying. He's going to burn in eternity. And now he wants somebody else. Misery loves company. You were made in the image of God. That image was defaced, but it was not destroyed. And so what does she do? She looks at it. She sees that it's pleasing to the eye and it's ta it may taste good. She, she takes it. She takes a bite of it. She eats it. Then she gives to the goo big goofball who's her husband standing there. And he goes, okay. He does it too. Then their eyes were opened. They realized that they had done something wrong. They sewed fig leaves together, hid themselves. First game of hide and go seek ever in the history of the world. Genesis chapter three. God comes walking and they hide. Why? They were afraid. First time fear is ever mentioned. Adam, where are you? Like he didn't know. Adam, here I am. <laughs> Why are you hiding? I was afraid. Why were you afraid? Adam, did you eat from that tree I told you not to? First act of blame in the Bible. She did it. She did it. All kinds of firsts in Genesis 3. You know why? You may not like these answers. You may not like these things. But friends, this is the truth. When it comes to image and identity, inclusion, 
You were made in the image of God. And that image has been defaced, but it hasn't been destroyed. Listen, until you and I know that we're sinners, we'll never truly appreciate the grace of God. Why are we sinners? Because the very first two people on this planet brought it into the world. They believed the lie. And you know what? For thousands of years, we've been doing the same. Satan, the flesh, the world. Where did the flesh come from from that moment? When, when, what, what, what happened? Satan spoke it in there. Where did this, this satanic belief system opposed to anything godly come from? Genesis 3. Right there. It's pretty interesting. When it comes to image and identity, God really doesn't deal with it past Genesis. It's really not dealt with anymore in Scripture. You know why? God closed the loop on that. He said, we don't need a multiplicity of pronouns. You don't get to choose. Some people want to say today our culture's gone absolutely crazy. We want our children to make these decisions at age three and five. A parent gets to make that for them. What are we doing? We're taking and putting ourselves in the center control seat of life, and it was not designed for you. You can't handle it. Jack Nicholson and, and, and the Tom Cruise, you can't handle the truth. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. You know why you can't handle the truth? Because you are made to handle it that way. You are made to be the owner of that truth, the one, the distributor of that truth. God is the author, the creator of truth, and he's putting it there for us. You and I don't get to decide that. He does. Well, that hurts my feelings. That makes me feel bad. Well, tough. We need to toughen up in our society. That's what we need. But instead, we've got an anything goes, unless it's godly. We just don't want to hear that. You ever stop for a minute, step back and look at that and go, wait a second. If there's something, in it, it seems like all of it comes against this one thing. Maybe it's because this thing is right and all the rest of it is wrong. But you see, oh, that's single-minded. That's, that's exclusive. You're pushing people away. No, John 3, 16 is pretty inclusive. God loved the world so much. Here's the fact, friend. You're a sinner, and I'm a sinner. And we have fallen short of the glory of God, and that sin has separated us from God. And because of that, until we know that, we'll never appreciate the grace of God. Number three, you were made in the image of God. That image was defaced but not destroyed. And in Christ, here's the answer, in Christ, your image is redeemed, not rejected. So many people live life and associate with groups of people that, that seem to be outcast or just a group of people who feel rejected. And they, 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 they find inclusion in that. The reality is, I mean, God created you. He created you in His image. Right? Why, why, why? If you were to take and make a statue of an image of something, a sculpture, and you put it, why would you put it on display? Why do you even put it on display? Because you've made it. You want to show off that statue. You want people to see what it was like. It's like God made seven billion statues and placed them all over the world. Why? So that, so that the world, so that we can see what God is like, who God is, what he's come to do, how great and awesome he is. We've messed all that up. It's been defaced, but not destroyed. 
Because in Christ, your image is redeemed, not rejected. God deals with image and identity in Genesis 1, Genesis 5, Genesis 9. <laughs> like that. After that, he's like, what's there to talk about? I told you. He created them, male and female. There's not another one. There's not another one. That's it. Titus 2. For the grace of God has appeared with salvation. For who? For everyone. For all people everywhere. And that grace, that grace of God instructs us to deny godlessness and worldly lust. What is that? That is the, that, that's things that are contrary to this right here. And the Bible explicitly lays it out, clearly lays it out. And the grace of God that brings salvation to all people, it instructs us, teaches us to say no, no to godlessness and worldly lust. But those are the things that are so prevalent, screaming for our attention in our society. Here's the way it's communicated. It's not communicated like this. Oh, no, it's not communicated like godliness and worldliness. No, no, this is what they say. They say this, do whatever feels good to you. Right and wrong is dependent upon you. Do you, you get to decide. Go make your own truth. Go be you. And there is some of that in Scripture where God made you individual and unique. There's not another one like you. But it's based upon your reflection of His image. You're not to sit in the control center seat, but, they, but the world, this belief system, this satanic and opposed to God, wants you to make up your rules, wants you to do what feels good to you. And there's nothing about that that adds up in our culture. Everything in our society is built upon rules. Everything. Everything in our society is built around absolutes. But yet our culture wants you to believe that you can do whatever you want to do, whatever feels good to you. And when those things come together and they butt heads like this, they're confusing. God is clear. It's so simple, so clear. It's right here. But now I'm living on a foundation of this that's been there for decades. You may just be starting. Friends, you got to realize, you know what? You're a sinner. You're separated from God. And only through Christ can you be redeemed and rescued. But you're not rejected. But the enemy, the flesh, culture, what does it say? It wants you to confuse who you are. It wants you to think you're broken and beyond repair. It wants you to think the answer to that is found in the world so that you will go with them when you want to decide why you're here. God has a better plan and strategy for you. But what do we want to do? We want to, we want to classify ourselves. We don't mind being called a Christian. We just want to add a prefix to that. I'm an angry Christian. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a this kind of denomination Christian. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a recovering drunk Christian. I'm a lustful Christian. I'm a gay Christian. Those things don't work. That's not the way we don't define ourselves by prefixes. We are a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, I may be a follower of Jesus Christ who struggles with lust. I may be a Christian who has in the past dealt with alcohol. I may be a Christian who has anger issues. I may be a Christian who even struggles with same-sex attraction. But that doesn't define who I am. I am defined from God's Word as a follower of Jesus Christ. He is mine. I am His. I have been bought with a price. I am made in the image of God. That image was defaced but not destroyed. It was redeemed in Christ and not rejected. And that godliness teaches me, that grace of God teaches me to deny godlessness and worldly lust and live in a sensible, righteous, holy way while we wait for the blessed appearing and hope the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us to redeem us. In Christ, we are redeemed, not rejected from all lawlessness and to cleanse us for himself, a people 
for his own possession, eager to do good works. You name the topic. You want to talk about abortion? Man, our country, you want to burn our country down because of that. It's, it's murder. Well, that's just because of what you know, friend. You stop the heartbeat of a living human. Somebody else did it. And it doesn't matter if it's homosexuality or anything like that, man. I, those are issues that we'll talk about. And, oh, it'll make people so mad, and you'll get emails and send them. I'm not afraid of the questions. I just don't want you to be afraid of the answers. And this, when you see that God gave Himself for you. Here's the truth. There's a universal need and God provided a universal remedy for all who believe. You're living exactly the life you're choosing to live through your beliefs, your actions, your behaviors, the people you spend time with. You were made in the image of God. That image was defaced but not destroyed. In Christ you've been redeemed, not rejected. Why? So that. So that your image can reflect God to a dark world. 2 Corinthians 3, whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. It's like you've been looking through a veil darkly. It's like you're listening to other things and other voices and following other people. When you turn to the Lord, it's like that veil is removed. And now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, look, there's freedom. Freedom to do whatever I want to do? Mm. No. See, freedom, though, is not found in the absence of rules. Freedom is found in the presence of rules. You find freedom within rules, within structure, within order, and God provides that for you. Why? It's like a parent providing safety and structure and order so that that child can grow and develop and mature so that one day they can be sent out with the same structure and order and they can do the same thing over and over again. Why? So that we can show, we can show God to a lost and dark world. We can reflect his image. Hear what he says. We all with unveiled faces are looking in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. It's like this. This mirror would reflect the image of God. And this, 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 this is us. And so we get the image of God and we reflect this out to the world. This is what we've done. This is what we've done. We've simply turned the mirror around. And we no longer get the image of God. You know what we're reflecting? The shadow of the ground. We're reflecting now the creation. No wonder. You're, 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 you're a shadow of that. God didn't make you to reflect creation. He made you to be the image that reflects the creator to a world that is desperate and in need of him. In Christ, we find redemption and restoration by putting on a new person. This now becomes a process of shaping us, making us again into the image of our creator God. Listen to this. God created us in his image so that we would display, reflect, and communicate who he is, how great he is, and what he is like. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old person, the old tag, 
is gone. And everything is made new. Jesus Christ is the identity that makes any other tag usable or worthless. But He is the one that matters most. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? So no matter where you are today, whatever's going on in and around your world, please don't turn this off. Don't stop. Don't cut off. Don't disconnect. Where are you? What's going on in your life? What's broken? What needs to be fixed? Do you need to know today that you are made in the image of God? You know that image? It's been defaced in the garden, but it wasn't destroyed. In Christ on the cross, it was redeemed. You're not rejected. So that you can image him to a dark world. It simply begins with you saying yes to him. And I invite you to pray that with me. Would you pray this with me? If you want to know Christ is your Savior, if you want to be forgiven, know you're forgiven. It's a universal remedy for a universal need. Would you pray this with me? Simply say, Father God, I believe in you. I believe you sent your Son, your one and only Son, to be my Savior. Say to Jesus, Jesus, forgive me for my sin by your grace. Restore me to you. Jesus, be the Savior and Lord of my life. I am ready. I'm ready to follow you, and I say yes to you today. If you prayed that with me, listen, when I'm finished, there's going to be a link come up on the screen. Follow that. Let us send you some resources. Let us connect with you. If you need a church home and you live close to Commerce or Redstone Campus, Come, be a part of this with us. Download the Southside Church app in your app store. Go to the website. Find out more. Let us know how we can help you today. Because we're so thankful that you would spend your time with us. God bless you. Have a great day. If you made that decision today to say, yes, I do want to choose Jesus. I do want to acknowledge him as my personal Lord and Savior congratulations. We could not be more excited for you. And we want to help you in that process and answer any questions that you might have and provide you resources. To do that, simply text JESUS, that's J-E-S-U-S, to 706-449-0870. And one of our pastors on staff will be in touch with you because we want to help you as you walk out your faith. If you thought, you know what, I would like to contribute to all that God is doing in and through Southside. I would like to partner with Him. You can do that in three simple ways. First, you can text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 706-449-0870. Secondly, you can do it on the Southside app in the GIVE tab. Lastly, Southside.online. You can do it through the GIVE section on our website. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your week.